when people come to my classes, I have to kind of surprise them with an idea of dance because they don't know, especially recently, they don't know that they're going to dance because if they would know, they probably wouldn't show up, which is crazy. We're so in our heads about movement and how to own a voice. The big silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. It's your host and friend, Karina Dawn. Thank you for joining me this holiday season. I am so grateful you're here and hoping you're having the best time, even though I know in the holidays it can be a bit hectic. We're here for you. And always know that if you ever feel like you need to talk to someone in the holiday season, you can text hello to 741741. And of course, thank you for all of your support this year for making The Big Silence Pod one of the top mental health and self-development podcasts. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your support and continued support. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an ep. Share this with any of your friends, loved ones that might find it beneficial. And I'm so grateful, but I just want you to know that considering donating even $1, if you enjoy this podcast, goes a long way through our therapy for all program at thebigsilence.com, $100 provide someone who doesn't have access to therapy, a therapy session. So, all right, let's move on to today's guest, Anya Garnes. So I met Anya through a friend and I wanted to have a girls night at my house where we learned how to dance and did a little like salsa. So Anya came over, she was just a shining bright light, loved connecting with her. And after that, we talked on the phone for over an hour and got to know each other a bit, and I asked her to be on the podcast. She's been dancing and acting for the past two decades. She shares her story on the pod, so I won't go into too much here, but she was born in Eastern Europe and moved to Russia, and she started training at 13 years old. And she's been on some of the biggest shows, like So You Think You Can Dance, and Dancing with the Stars, Strictly Come Dancing, and so many more things. And she has gone through health issues, mental health issues, and all of the things and she has such a charisma to her and a vitality and an overcoming and she has a lot of takeaways during this episode so enjoy it and by the way after we filmed this episode we went in my house and bobby joined in for a little dance party we did a session where anya taught bobby and i a dance to the big silence theme song so go over to at the dot big dot silence on instagram and our youtube oh yes we have a youtube by the way link and show notes where you can watch all of these episodes on video but go there because you will see the dance and we want you to learn the dance too and share it with us we might have a little dance competition coming up all right enjoy this episode and i love you Silence. The big silence. All right. Welcome to the Big Silence podcast, Anya Garnes. Thank you. Feel very welcome. <laughs> you may have seen Anya on So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars Live. You're a professional dancer and you're also the founder of Body Instinct, which we will get into that as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So I met Anya couple months ago? Has it been that long? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So my girlfriends and I were like, let's have a girls night and learn how to dance. And of course, Sandy, my trainer, she's all about... we know Sandy. (laughs) We know Sandy. (laughs) She's all about the booty gains and opening up those hips. And so another friend of mine told me about you. And we had a great night that night and got to know each other a little and then caught up afterwards. And I really was touched by your story and thought it would be amazing to have you on here. Thank you. Well, yes, Sandy was, I remember she couldn't let it go. She was like, I have to, how do you release the glutes? How do you build this? How do you this? No, it was amazing. It was amazing. There's so many questions coming. Yes. <laughs> but yes, thank you for having me in the studio. It's so nice to do this in person. I know, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's just, that we all zoomed out, right? Oh, I, know. I know. For 2024, my goal is to have most podcasts live. If I can do it. Right. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yes. It's a good goal. It's a good goal. Well, so yes, I'm a professional dancer. And where do I start? So I consider myself to be a child of the world. So I always say that because I was born in Eastern Europe, but I grew up in Siberia. Oh, wow. 
And then I left home when I was 13. No parent, like no left parents. your parents. Yeah, my okay. mom sent me to dance school because I was so passionate about dance and I've been dancing since I was, since I was eight. Just and, like uh, in your living room, making up your own moves or classes? Oh no, so proper dance schools, yeah. teachers and ballet, all the classes. And yeah. then a boy, the only boy that a very good dance partner that danced with me basically decided to split up with me and then it was literally no one else out oh. there. So I was in Siberia, a very, very small town. Yeah. And so my mom reached out to another dance studio, which was eight hours more east, even colder weather. So she sent me away when I was 12, turning 13. How did you feel about that? Looking back at it, I was ecstatic. I, in right. a sense of, I didn't see anything else. I feel right. like I was a little bit odd as a child though, because mm-hmm. I've always... Well, I always said to my parents, I was born in the wrong country. Mm-hmm. So first of all, second of all, I always said to them, I'll be a professional dancer. So I had the goals even, you know, later on, I went to law school. And I remember mm-hmm. all of my friends, they obviously would study law. And then they said, so what kind of law are you going to do? And I said, I'm never going to do law. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I, I'm interested in psychology and yeah. taking the classes for fun. But I'm actually going to be a dancer and the producer and all of that. Long story short, basically when I left at 13, I didn't know what I'm getting myself into. But it was very, a very tough environment when you look back and when you read about the proper Russian tough mm-hmm. school, that's mm-hmm. what I've yeah. endured. Because I think of when I was 12 is when my mom started leaving the house and I was craving for a mother. But you were like, it was your same age, but you're just so excited because you get to. But I guess this was a choice that you made versus a choice that I wasn't making. Yeah, it was a choice because there was literally no opportunities, Mm -hmm. no opportunities in that small town where I was living. And I think my mom took a chance. It was a very tough year. It's like my grandpa was in a coma. My, My dad was away. My grandma on my father's side passed away and I remember my dad was with her so my mom just packed my bags didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. and just sent me away because I really I was on my knees and I said I need to go yeah I don't know it was obviously something bigger than me so when you get to the dance school and does somebody take care of you or are you just like Yeah, so it was a community. So we all were the same age or similar age. So girls lived separately from the boys. And so it was kind of like a boarding school, I guess, but only for certain kids that were chosen to be in that dance school. And we lived with the woman who was running the studio and she was very strict. She was very Russian. (laughs) Very Russian, very creative and very, uh, never danced in her life, but had the biggest passion for Mm -hmm. it and fooled everybody because it's crazy how she had this huge following and the woman has never danced in her entire life. Yet she brought up some champions and uh, the resilience in us and technique and we all trusted her. Yeah. So how many people were in that school? How many kids? It was about six, six or seven girls my age. And then there were about three, there were about four or five years older. And so the same thing. We all had partners. So the same thing for the boys. Yeah. Wow. So you just dance and education and everything and strict schedules and every, wow. Okay. So you're there for how many years? Until I'm 17. And then you go to college. And then my mom came in and looked at the conditions and everything, how we lived and looked at my personality, how it changed because I left a little girl mm-hmm. and I remember even like I was always a tomboy yeah. and even that the friends that I made was guys and we always the closest to me, I guess. And all of a sudden, you know, I left for the summer and then I turned 13 and I came back looking like this. Wait, did you not go home or visit, see your family? So for time? the summer, I would go okay. I would go home and yeah. spend time with my grandma or my mom. And yeah. then I came back and looking like from a um, little girl to looking like a young woman. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, my friends, guy friends, all of a sudden looking like, at me differently hey, and so hey, making honey. fun of me and Aww. then just, you know, oh, you know, so voluptuous and whatever else. Yeah. And basically, that's where the whole scenario began when she, the coach was starting making remarks and 
saying things like, oh, she looks great in person, but she looks bad on the dance floor or something like that. And Wait, you it, coached it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you were standing there because she decided on everything, your hair, your makeup, your costumes, and you just stand there like a mannequin, basically. And she goes to the seamstress, she would be saying, oh, it's okay, don't do this line because it does look great in person when we're standing right here, but on the dance floor, she's going to look fat. And she's going to... That interesting. So I... You've seen my dance skills. They're small, if not none. But I love Uh -uh. (laughs) that. But it's fun. And I remember I did take ballet when I was a little girl. Mm. And the ballet teacher actually said I needed to lose weight. And I was a little twiggly. Yeah, of course. It's like dance and ballet. And it doesn't cross your mind until somebody says that to you. And Mm. then you start thinking about it. So did that affect your mental health when you thought about your body? Oh my gosh, it affected everything to a point that that was just the first remark that I, after I started doing work, um, after I faced a huge physical and mental health challenge, which I'm sure we're going to get to, (laughs) that was kind of what came up. That a lot of comments about my body that I allowed those people to make an opinion and I believe them. Because even though I have one of the closest relationship with my mom. She wasn't there. There was no cell phones. And I just felt like, yes, that's true. I do look fat. I am 34C and I'm only 14. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the girls weren't that voluptuous, I guess. So it was very hard and it was progressively getting worse because, you know, she was very pro-male. And Mm -hmm. so men was an alpha. And so girls endured a lot of physical abuse at rehearsals only. It didn't cross um, in like a normal life. So I always separated the two. I always had my dance life and then I had my real life. So in real life, we were all friends. Mm -hmm. But then the minute we cross that line and go on the dance floor, there's something happens. It's almost like they were brainwashed by her and there was a lot of abuse and there's a lot of hitting and you know, straighten your arm and just hitting, yeah, your arms and like punish you and just go like do a hundred pirates in one corner and you just stand there until you vomit or something. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was, but I'm very good at turns now. So. <laughs> you are. so let's go back. You mentioned your first battle with mental health. Mm. Take us there. Well, I think obviously there are steps yeah. and, um, that takes it there. But the thing is, I think I've identified myself with being a performer, being a dancer, being an artist for so long mm-hmm. that I forgot to figure it out who I, I am Outside of without that. Yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Because when you are your own product, mm-hmm. for the lack of a better word, mm-hmm. you sell your services, you perform, you give, you create whatever that comes through you, you always on a display, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I've been so fortunate to follow my instinct, to follow my intuition. That's how I went from being the runner-up United States finalist to audition for So You Think You Can Dance. And that changed my life. And then when I did that on television, I think overnight it changed when one of the biggest judges on television show, I think Nigel Lithgow, so Mm -hmm. he's well-known from American Idol. I remember him saying out loud, saying, oh, look at her. She's so sexy. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like people didn't see me before. And then when all the students came the next day after that audition aired, and I was put in that box of the sexy one or just of the sexy one, whatever yeah, that yeah, meant. Yeah. And I needed to keep up with that because I just thought internally, I was like, what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> but externally, I tried to match to whatever people thought think sexy is, whether it's movement, whether it's how you dress, whether how you show up. For a long time, I tried to run with that energy. And even though show changed my life and I probably wouldn't change a thing with Nigel, what Nigel said, I just think it really put a lot of pressure on me psychologically. And and the artist way is not a very easy one. So it's, we had up and downs, but we're just talking about after a long, long journey and after making it and after going nonstop, you basically, I've achieved my biggest dream when I was invited to to do Dancing with the Stars in London, which is called Strictly Come Dancing, the original program. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, this is it. And I had the best 
time of my life, I think. Looking back, I'm so proud of my choreography and what came through me. And then the following year, they called me and they said, oh, so we don't know how to say this, but we basically made a mistake, but you were amazing in the show. So, but the mistake has been happened because you live in the States and with the time difference, somebody who was supposed to say no to the show, they said yes, but because it's BBC, we can't really fire them. So let us figure it out. We're going to get back to you a week later. So I, at first I thought somebody's making a joke because I literally gave up my apartment in LA. I was moving to London. Everything seven was like, I was the last girl standing in the semifinal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was a huge achievement at like 11 million people watching you. So it's kind of a big deal in my world for right. my career yeah. because I am, as You're- we know, associated myself, I am a dancer and perform. That's what I do. A week later, the call men were like, Anya, we're so sorry. We just don't know what to do. So this happened and... We can go back, and but we love your choreography so much. And we really want you to come in and just work with the producers and be the right hand of the creative director. <laughs> so yeah. my spirit broke. At, you know, my soul wasn't ready. My artist yeah. Yeah. inside of me just wasn't ready to step behind. It's not even about the camera. It's uh, about the creativity. Well, before we move forward too, I want talking about being on display and when you talk about that. And I can relate to that too, because I am the face of Tone It Up for 15 years before Tone It Up. Exactly. I was on magazine covers as a triathlete, a trainer, and but all on campaigns and this and like you are your brand. You and, are what you're selling. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, you know, you get put into this box of you need to be this way and you cannot change. Well, for me, like oh my God, Karina's changed. I'm like, it's been 15 years. Yes. I sure hope so. I think you should too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Um, no, I get that when you are your brand. Yeah. And the the pressure that goes with that. Yeah. No, Uh, absolutely. And so basically when that happened with that call, that phone call, I already gave up my apartment in LA and I just made the decision to go anyway because I just thought, well, maybe I'm the strongest because maybe then when they'll see me and when they see you and nothing changes and your biggest fear is that I've already been there since all mm-hmm. this conversation when I was 13, you're not good enough, you're fat, you know what I mean? So all of that, which I thought that I dealt with was surfaced because I was fired. Literally, but not fired as I would prefer, I think, like when you have closure. You know, it's like it didn't work out or we don't have anybody for you this year. Like, But to get a phone call to say you were amazing, we made a mistake, please come back. We loved your choreography. So in a different capacity, but come back. So it was so confusing for yeah. my just everything, my whole being. So when I got there, it was suffocating. It was really suffocating. And I was suffocating in silence because all of a sudden, all of my friends, they were looking at me like I had three heads. And then everybody was asking me, how are you doing this? I'm like, I'm great. I'm fine. I'm just working with the producers. I love this. And I did work with, instead of one celebrity, many celebrities. But it was, yeah, it was just not, it was not that I, how I imagined that I would retire or right. leave the biggest job that I've ever had, so to speak. Right. And it wasn't fulfilling to you. And it and wasn't fulfilling. You weren't living your truth and it, that was weighing on you. Yes. And that how it first started and years. And then I managed to stay in London because I met my partner. He's now my husband. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I'm creating. I'm thinking I'm creating. I'm going to create and I'm going to show my pain and I tell stories on stage and it was thousands of people that would come. We have 84 shows, different cities. We're traveling. So I'm busy. On the surface, I'm busy, but my body is falling apart. So I'm thinking, what is going on? I go into emergency surgery. I didn't know that I had a size of a melon uh, fibroid in my body. Wow. You didn't feel anything or? That's how crazy it's gotten to a point that I've ignored so much. Yeah. It was about the dream, about the focus, about that association and whatever that meant, that success Mm -hmm. that I imagined since I was little, that I completely ignored all the signs until I collapsed in the wings and I've never not finished a show in my life. Yeah. 
because that's not how I was brought up. You know, right, you don't right. say anything. You just well, that was your training. Yeah. yeah, and so I ended up being at emergency surgery, and they had to cut me open. This was too late. Now looking back, you're just like, what? You didn't have checkups. You didn't have this. <laughs> you know, and I that for two years I didn't, and within the two years of that pain that I think that I've been experiencing psychological pain and losing. That's another point that I want to make is I'm sure you can relate from your fitness world where you think that that's your tribe and there are your people. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you understand that the tribe has been assigned to you your whole life Mm -hmm. because you put yourself there, you had a dream. So, and then when something happened, all of a sudden the tribe is not there for Mm -hmm. you anymore. Mm -hmm. And your community that you thought, it was your community or your people they all of a sudden they vanished, they disappeared because it was so intertwined. Yeah. To a point that wasn't very healthy. Right. So uh, fast forward the whole thing because obviously my family is far away. Everything that I love is at a long distance. So what do you rely? You have to rely on your friends, your loved ones. And so that kind of slowly vanishing and disappearing. Mm. And then the job disappeared. And then I'm trying to do my best job so I got to prove them that they made a mistake and I, you know, putting my best foot forward on that stage. And then I said my body fell apart, like not knowing. So for two years, it kind of went from zero to a hundred. And then as I'm going into surgery, I get a phone call from So You Think Indians and like, we need you to be an all-star and there's nobody else, blah, blah. We want you to choreograph and perform your choreography, which is the greatest opportunity on yeah. television for a dancer. I'm like prepping like, for surgery. You're like, yeah, and I totally, say, I'll be there. Yeah, so I'm talking to the surgeon. He goes, we're cutting you. It's like a C-section. Yeah. So he goes, it's like your muscles, everything. So he goes, six weeks. I'm like, no, I have to be there. In four weeks, I have to be on stage. He goes... I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like... Four weeks on stage performing, so yeah. you have to practice prior. So it's very... Because it's a reality television, so yeah. it's it, it's all in real timing in the yeah. sense of that it is three days with the, like, with the contestant. And so, it, you know what I mean? So it's right. very quick. But you can't um, be like from bed to stage. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. Uh, <laughs> of course. And that was the biggest mistake number two. Mm-hmm. And so I get myself ready. I fly to LA. I get to the ABC studios, OCBS studios, and I'm like, I can't move. Like oh, one day, I, I, you know, I, I was, I pushed it, and my stomach just was swelled up so much that I just talked to one of the producers. I said, Jeff, I can't. I had surgery. He was like, What? Like a keyhole? I said, Oh no, the scar is this big. So I said, They got me open. <laughs> so, anyways, and um, he goes, Okay, well, don't come to the warm ups. I said, Okay, good. It's something. So I find this holistic. A friend of mine, she's my best friend. She finds me this holistic doctor, alternative, alternative medicine, and she, this woman, she does her little tinctures and just puts like some kind of uh, cloth on my scar yeah. and I don't know miraculously it did the job what was if that? you I have no idea <laughs> but it was all herbal herbal things yeah. and it was beautiful and all I cared about that it like took all of my swelling down and I look better than ever on stage because <laughs> you know obviously surgery and not eating and all of that but obviously again how perception of the external versus internal. So I did that. That was the biggest mistake. And then thinking, oh, I got this. And it went great. And went back to London doing another show. And my body's falling apart again. And I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? I'm so tired of this. This is insane. I get an ulcerative colitis where it's, you know, obviously I'm bleeding from places you shouldn't bleed. And then I'm... I have no energy. I can't perform eight shows a week. But still, I carry on. Are either of these like genetic or is it stress on the body? Is it lifestyle or just... I think the pain was internalized and that was the first time. So that was when I didn't have the tools. That's when I... So I always say, if we talk about the body instinct, but I always say it's be, do, have. 
Mm-hmm. So it's never the opposite. It's like most people trying to have and do by doing and mm-hmm. then trying to be. And that's what I was like having, having. So all these dreams ahead of me and I was just a very tunnel vision without having any tools. Going from competitive world to not having any mentors and just driving my own career and just being very ambitious. Yeah. And not basically pressing the brake. And But obviously something traumatic that really affected me not dealing with that, not talking to anybody, pretending right. that holding I'm okay. Holding it all internal. Yeah, holding and that's on. one of the most important things is when you just hold, you stay silent, you yeah. hold it inside and it affects your body. That's yeah. why that's exactly therapy, call your friends, yeah. loved ones, talk about it and don't have any shame. Yeah. And, and it was, I don't know whether it was more about sustaining my lifestyle that I've used to because as an artist, I have been fortunate to support myself and with all the opportunities, but that presented itself after I did television. But I think, again, it was a lot of external factors that I was focused on and it was nobody to really talk to me. And no, my husband tried, but it was very hard if you're not ready, you're not ready yeah. to hear it. Yeah. So, and then when your body's screaming at you, so, and it wasn't even the final call. <laughs> yeah. So after that, you just go, okay, I need to slow down. And then, so after all sort of colitis, I just had to slow down and had to, well, I had to. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> have a choice at that point. They've told me that I went to five different doctors, major doctors all over the world, really. And what was interesting is they told me that I'm going to be on steroids for the rest of my life. Mm. And none of them point me out to the fact that it could be the food. So it could be the stress. It could be sus. It could be something much deeper. And that was really interesting. So, yeah, I just had someone on the podcast and we were talking about how, with doctors, um, don't treat the mind and the body at the same time. Mm. Like, why do you have this going on in your body? Mm. What's going on in your mind? And it's just prescriptions, this, that, like yeah. not lifestyle changes yeah. or seeing if there's allergies or yeah, yeah. food. Something's yeah. triggering. So yeah. like it's a Band-Aid, right? Yeah. As opposed to really look into it. And I remember um, after thousands and thousands of dollars, my husband's like went to this doctor with me and he said, do you think it could be the diet that can be changed? Something else? And she was like, absolutely not. And after that, he was like, that's it. You're never going back. You're never to her and you don't pay her a penny. And we just all figured out. And he saved my life. He really did. He did a lot of research and I went completely changed. I didn't eat unhealthy. It was just my body was shutting down with all the stress, the physical stress. And then obviously the mental stress that I put up on myself. I never dealt with issues that... You know, my mom was like, when you were 17, you came to me and you wanted to do breast augmentation because you thought it would be. I suppressed that memory. I have no recollection to this day. Yeah. I think she's making it up, but I'm sure she is not. So yeah. it's just it's just the things that suppress memory when you are stressed mm-hmm. or in your mode. It's, it's real. And all of these things do surface when you obviously, when your physical health uh, falls apart, just everything else just crumbling down. All right. So what did your husband, how did he save you? What did he research? Oh, so we figure it out that we, with ulcerative colitis specifically, you can have any uncooked food. So absolutely, even berries need to be steamed. So everything needs to be steamed. So I couldn't have anything that would possibly would go into my bloodstream. And I went on a keto diet Mm -hmm. and I'm not promoting any diets, but it's one of those things that it did work. So no carbs because carbs are the hardest to digest. So meat was easier, even though it's longer to digest. And I went on to take ketones. It was the powder that you take basically to sustain my energy because I was on tour. Mm -hmm. I was working. I never stopped. And basically I did that for about six months. And that was in 2015. So that's a long time ago. So I never had a flare up or anything. So f- I struggled for about six months, so to speak, but it never, not going to had a flare up. So now you're on your strict diet, you stick to it. No, I know. No. no. I eat very well because I believe in balanced diets. Yeah. So I don't think that meat is versus vegetables. So I think balance is great. Can you eat uncooked food still? Or yeah. You, okay, yeah, yeah. So I do, I do like, eat absolutely normal, normal yeah. food. Yeah, it's just I had to be very strict for six months. I took ketones and six months felt like a very long time because when you're sick, it's almost, you feel like it's a never-ending journey. But then slowing down with, obviously, I have to turn down some tours and some work. And I went home to London to just just rest yeah. and basically just changed my diet for six months completely. 
Was there anything else that you did in there to make sure that you were calming your body down, your mind? Yes. But then when I was healing my physical body, Uh certain things started to surface. And all of a sudden, I started noticing that, why do I feel better physically? But then I feel so empty Mm -hmm. on the inside. And so I'm thinking, can I just not let go of what had happened? And then because it took me obviously to London. So that's when I turned to... uh, the best thing I've ever done, I think, for my well-being is to turn uh, to meditation. Mm-hmm. I've been doing yoga, but as an athlete, I've been trying to obviously stretch and keep up with different sorts of exercises. But yoga didn't feel quite right when I would get on the mat. Yeah, I needed to understand more. And so when I did that, that's really kind of helped me to center my mind. Yeah, And I think what it helped me to do by coming back to dance because dance became a job. Mm -hmm. And I think because I was so wrapped up in this identity of a dancer that I didn't know anything else. I didn't know myself. So stepping away from it just gave me an opportunity to find out who I am, what I like. Yeah. yeah. Did you start resenting dance at any point because it became a job? Yeah, when it became a job. I I knew that my mental health was in trouble when... I was doing this big show. It was a huge production in the UK and we traveled to the West End and all over UK and they announcing this huge big stairs and they said, from Strictly Come Dancing, like my partner Robin Windsor and Anya Garnis and I'm going down those stairs and everybody is like backup dancers like clapping for you. Thousands of people watching you and I'm walking down those stairs and I remembered this thought so clearly. Did I take out the garbage tonight? Mm. You were not present. And that, or I was so done. Done. You just weren't interested. Yeah. No, there was no adrenaline. Mm -hmm. There was no adrenaline. There was no joy. There was no, I didn't know, but it was that one switch that I take out the garbage, you know, or I left it in the apartment. And I felt like at that moment, so simple. It was an out-of-body experience. It was just like dance was here. Yeah. And I was here. And my mental health was... Like, what's happening to you? And I didn't talk to anybody, really. <laughs> so where do you go from there? Yeah, where do you go? So that thought becomes, oh, I hate everything about dance. I, I'm i not envy, but very close to the people that are doing whatever they're doing. Now I'm doing it for the money, mm-hmm. which as an artist, you never do it for the money. Right. You always do it for the joy. And then it just starts spiraling down. And from that moment on, you're just being not kind to yourself. And you have nobody to talk to because everybody thinks. Like, what do you have to complain about? What do you have to complain about? Look at your career. Look how much you've done in your life. Yeah, You've traveled the world. You know, you're still producing shows. Yeah, you're fine. You're yeah. absolutely fine. And that's the hardest part. My husband is just saying like, why you, didn't, you don't want to talk about it? Why do you don't want to help people? about even your sort of colitis. And I said, because I wasn't allowed to complain. I wasn't allowed to say that I was not feeling well or that I have bad thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that specific, especially surfaced after I had a baby, which is very mm-hmm. common, right? But it was happening before. Like I felt the darkness was coming in. But in the midst of all the things, discovering the breath mm-hmm. in a different way this time, in the way that served me not what's going to make me better to get that job or to look a certain way, but to make me feel a certain way. And to just to understand that it's okay to feel the feelings, but it's okay to let go of the story. So that's what I've been working on for a long time. Just don't suppress the feelings. Just let go of the story. The story doesn't matter because it's, it's with time we tend to spit you yeah. know, the story out of control. But I think it's the allowing the feelings to come up and to really understand. And it was hard. It was not an easy journey to do it on your own. But in a way, like everything else, came to me in a way I'm glad I did it because it was I was my own student and my own teacher at the same time. So you got into yoga and meditation. Are you, did you fall in love with dance again? I, I yes. Yeah. <laughs> dance is 
my savior of, you know, I always yeah. say that, but in a healthier way. Yeah. So that's how the body instinct that I come up for mm. myself, I came up with this, you know, it, it's, a, it's a holistic way to, to find your life force again. Yeah. And that's what I needed to do. I needed to allow myself to expand, allow myself to evolve and to look at it from a brighter side and not to be a victim of what, which was very hard to let go. But at the same time to understand it was never about me. It was something that the energy didn't match, but I've done what I could have done. I did my best yeah. and I'm very proud of it. And then fast forward, I am looking at myself and I'm thinking how to be mm-hmm. as opposed to what to do next. And I feel yeah. like I can relate to you with a lot of the story because I rebelled against fitness. That's like, went to the <laughs> top of fitness dream when I was a little girl. girl. I was like, I want to grow up and do what my mom would work out to Jane Fonda DVDs. Worked with Jane Fonda and wow. do, did all the things. And number one fitness community, yeah. tone it up. And then you get to that point of like, you go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, you know, it happened that same, exactly what you described happens. And then there's that rebellion. That's why I asked you that question. But then now I had to take some time because fitness was what saved me. Yeah. It's a vicious circle. So yeah. it's kind of one of those things that some people go in a spiral and they're like, I did this and I did this. Da, da, da. And for me, it was like, oh my gosh. And then I... Dance is a job. Yeah. What do I do now? Fitness is a job now. So yeah. what do I do now? Fitness used to be for fun and healing for me mm-hmm. and this. And then it did become a job where I, I stopped enjoying it and, and going on set or doing... I wasn't looking forward to it. So I did have to step back a little. Even with... We have our new Tone It Up January Challenge coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning to love fitness again like and how I want to feel it in my body. Like this morning, I just, I call it like meditative movement, kind mm-hmm. of mixed with yoga in front right. of the fireplace. And it felt so good. And afterwards, I just felt so great. But for the January challenge, it's the first one with Tone Up that I'm not actually teaching workouts. Oh, wow. So community, if you're listening, bear with me here. Because, but I want to have a big, bigger voice of community talking with our trainers, sharing our stories. And wow. I'm working out again and I'm loving fitness again, but I want to love it. For me. For you, not, yeah, for what I represented to, you know, a long time ago. And we change, we evolve, and I just think it's absolutely okay. It's just we putting so much pressure on ourselves, and it's almost, I don't know, obviously, you've achieved so much, and you've yeah. accomplished so much, so it's like I'm sure a lot of people will say the same thing, you know, what do you have to complain about in the yeah. sense of, you know, look what you've built, you know, the empire of, you know, yeah. And I still like create the workouts and do this and pick the trainers and have relationships. It's just I'm, I'm taking a little shift right now. And that's okay. And that's okay. And being the face and, you know. <laughs> but I'm glad that, see, it's it's okay. When we make this decision ourselves, I think it's so important. It's almost like honoring that. It's honoring yeah. that. It's taking that in, into your own hands and you just go, this is what I need. And I want to feel this is what I need. I'm just going to follow through with that. And for yeah. me, it's the same thing. I Something was taken away from me. So I felt like if I would have stepped away on my own mm-hmm. or had a better closure or better <laughs> way of to be like, this is it. No more. The door is closed. It's fine. Yeah. I would probably prefer that. But it's that gray territory that and it just felt like maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe yeah. it's still there. Maybe it's not. And then to navigate that on your own without any tools, without any support, I think that's what becomes the hardest. And we put so much pressure on ourselves, which right. is unnecessary. Right. This is your life in the end. Yeah. In the end, <laughs> yeah. In the, in the end, it's your life. And I think we do have to prioritize. I mean, dance is a huge part of my life. So I kind of stop saying that I am a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I used to say, oh, I'm a dancer. I'm a professional dancer, but I don't say this anymore. So I say I dance professionally mm-hmm. and I'm a mother, I'm a teacher, I'm an actor, mm-hmm. but I always going to be a student. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Let's talk about body instincts some mm-hmm. more. So what exactly is that? What do you do? <laughs> well, the body it? instinct came out of pain and then out of experience, the big baggage, the luggage of the experience that I have behind me. And it came from just working with a lot of women at that time 
about 18 years ago when yeah, I was teaching in Manhattan, mm-hmm. in New York, and I was watching all these ladies because Latin ballroom dancing was so popular. Like ladies come in or men, I, I taught a lot of men, and just in general, and we would have those checklists, like bullet points of social dancing when mm-hmm. you kind of see where they at. And I would look at them and they look amazing. And then they would come to my class and it was only ladies class and they literally wouldn't be able to move. Mm-hmm. So the first week I thought, oh, I don't know, maybe it's a bad week. Second week, I thought maybe the steps are too hard. Third week, I just stopped everything and I said, okay, this is it. What's going on? We're wasting each other's time. You guys, like I've seen you at social mm-hmm. dancing. I've seen you, what you can do. And plus, it's not a cheap hobby. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, you better tell me what's going on. And they, one of the ladies, Elaine Walsh, she said to me, she was about 70. And she said, yeah, but we're just following. We're following. And that's why we look good. And that was an aha moment for me at that mm. time. So I just thought, wow, I never thought about it like that. That of course, especially in this type of dance in this career, of course I have to follow. And, but it doesn't mean I have to give my power away and I don't know what I'm doing with my body, how to move my body when I'm on my own. But that was not the way dance was perceived. That was not the way they were taught. There was like, the information just didn't exist. And fast forward, um, if you're, what was going to say, 15 years later, after all of my experiences and after I healed myself, after I studied yoga and Tai Chi and breathing, I just thought there's something to it. So the body instinct in short is a combination of different modalities where we learn how to reignite a fire, our energy, and how to find a life force. Because I I think in short, this is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. I do believe in energy. I think we need to be responsible what we bring in the room. And also, I do believe that with intentional energy versus freestyle, Mm-hmm. You, we can heal ourselves because we're so stuck with our emotions and our bodies. So I knew if we're not comfortable in our bodies now, then when are we comfortable? Yeah. So in most of the time, what I'm facing is that when people come to my classes, I have to kind of surprise them with an idea of dance because they don't know, especially mm-hmm. recently, they don't know that they're going to dance because if they would know, they probably wouldn't show up, Yeah. which is crazy. We're so in our heads about movement and how to own a voice. So the body instinct is giving you tools and then you obviously after that. And I think that the motto of the body instinct is called it. See it, know it, feel it, Mm -hmm. and be it. So there are certain steps that when we break it, like it's just it's a fun of course i'm like of course i'm using the the latin dance because it's popular it's known mm-hmm. and it's fun but there are also other things that we can move our energy and so i predominantly work with women one on one and i've seen a lot of breakthroughs in a sense of most of the time they cry in my mm-hmm. sessions because yeah. there's a lot of emotions that move through when we allow ourselves to breathe when we allow ourselves to move and listen and because I always talk about softness, including myself, what I've learned when I was on the go, 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 is it became so hard and so much into my male energy. We have to. Yeah. We have to. We, daily basis, I'm sure you have to step into your male energy. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, obviously, it's just the spiritual male energy or female energy. And so I just feel that we always balance this out. And it's so hard to understand the balance. And because it was exhausting to me to drive, to try to achieve. And this the women that I meet sometimes. And when we're trying to balance and we try to meet the feminine because it's okay to relax and to soften. And so I always say, don't try to do, just be and feel. But I think that's the magic of dance too. Because sometimes I will just, even if Bobby's not home, if I wake up and I am anxious, I'll turn on some music and go in the backyard and just, I'll just freestyle. And then you're like, eh, you can't like, you know, when you dance because it's not a job, Mm -hmm. the freedom of moving your body like that and shaking it out and 
being free is, it's great for your mental health. It's great for mental health. It's very hard for me to meditate just to sit down and meditate. So what I've learned is that I need to move my energy first before I sit down and before I clear it before. So it's very intentional. And I think when we put intention to the movement, that's what, that's how we can progress. And that's how we can clear it. That's how we can get better. And I think eventually heal because that's what helped me with my mental health. And Back to your story, I think just really quickly, it's I'm just, I don't know why, who needs to hear this, <laughs> but about you kind of going rebelling against fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was studying yoga, the first story that they said, and I don't know if you've ever heard <laughs> that, it's called the story of the raft. I don't know if you know it. I don't know. No? no I don't think so. So it's like a, a traditional Buddhist story about yeah. a man who traveled the lands to find holy lands. And mm-hmm. he's been traveling for years and he's walking um, uh, along a very wide river. And on his side, the path is rocky and dangerous and it just kind of basically makes it very hard to walk. So he looks at the other side of the river and he uh, sees that the path and the walk is looks almost like sand, very smooth. And he thinks, oh, I need to get to that side of the river, but I don't know how, I don't have any equipment. So he meditates and what comes to him is to, he needs to build, build a, uh, a raft and from branches and mud. And he's been building it for days because he has to let the sun dry the mud and whatever, etc. Then he builds this beautiful raft and then he gets on it and he gets to the other side of the river. And as he gets out, he was like, wow, it is much smoother and the path is going to be much lighter. And then he turns around and he says, but I can't leave the raft behind because it's been so helpful to me and I put so much effort into this raft. And I just sat there and I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And? And the teaching in the story is that even a good thing, a great thing that served you so well for so long can become an unnecessary burden Mm -hmm. because he's been walking with a raft he wouldn't let go so he almost became even harder to walk on the surface where it was just like he wanted to walk and it could he could run Mm -hmm. but because he was carrying the raft he couldn't walk so it slowed him down even more when he was on the other side so yeah the bottom line is when something's great worked for us but when it did its thing and it doesn't serve us anymore we need to let go yeah because otherwise it's going to weigh us down. So, and I thought it was great because that's when you said, when dance became a job, I said, how did you feel about it? So that's exactly how I felt. I just, when I heard that story, I just thought, oh my gosh, that's my raft. It served me so well. Can you put the raft down when you're ready to pick it up again? Yeah, but do so with no, yeah, but you cannot, <laughs> not with condemnation, you have to yeah. do it with gratitude. So yeah. that was an aha moment for me. I just thought, I'm putting it down. And that's where... But you asked me about the body instinct and that's when I went, I'm so grateful for my dance. I'm so grateful for my body and what allowed me to do and allows me to do Mm -hmm. because I'm still dancing and still perform. And I did one of the biggest shows, five months postpartum. So in London, so it's it's not like, you know, life is not over. (laughs) So I'm still performing, I'm still an artist. But instead of just kind of like, oh, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and that, it allowed me by putting that raft down. It just allowed me to put everything kind of, you know, under one hat and just say, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. And if I'm teaching, then I will teach. Mm -hmm. And if I'm dancing, then I will perform and I dance. And then if I'm a mom, then this is what I am. So it's much better for my mental health as opposed to just think that I have to wear this hat and this hat and this hat and this hat. So it's not what we do, it's the way we do it. Yeah. I think what really helped me to, as I'm transitioning through my fitness career and bringing in meditation and training under Deepak and doing yoga certification, something I had to bring Mm. the mindfulness to the fitness and why am I moving your body? Not for the aesthetic, but how does that make you feel? And that was really important to me. And still I do teach, but I like to include mindfulness and meditation and intention, not just doing a squat and having a six pack abs. (laughs) So it's with intention. Exactly. I feel like if it's done with intention, it's not like a squat doesn't have an intention. I just think that um, in nowadays, 
with everything, with all the information, we just can do so much more for our body and with the knowledge that we have around us. And if we can utilize fitness with mindfulness or dance with mindfulness and to take the tools and actually, I think what's important is, I think what I love about even fitness community and about dance is that I would love to educate. I had a student who went for four years, she went into yoga school and she literally... I'm not joking. She was like here and Mm -hmm. she couldn't touch her toes. Mm -hmm. The fact that she wasn't flexible is not an issue. It's an issue if you go to yoga studio three times a week and four years later, you don't move Mm -hmm. your body. It's you holding on to something. You have no idea. And so I am very passionate about educating about your body, how to release, how Mm -hmm. to move, how to let go. And I think a lot of the times we with the social media and everything, it's very surfaced. And we're just doing quick, 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 one, two, three, four, five. And that's what I am trying to find the balance in me internally because I'm more about the process and the journey. And I really want to help you to touch your toes, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so where can we find more information on Body Instinct? Oh, just on my, on, it's the, the website, yeah, thebodyinstinct.com, yeah, on my Instagram, yeah, yeah. on And we'll put all the info in the show notes. And speaking of dancing, next, we are about to go in the house and film a little dance. And Bobby is going to join us. I know. Gonna, I'm so excited. I know. Just a little dance. This is coming out right before New Year's. So you can watch this and maybe learn something to move your body and have fun. And it'll be good. Yeah. Bobby's excited. And yes, and I think, yeah, fitness and dance, I think some people can overlook. I mean, I am not, I'm not bypassing. I am very excited to dance with Bobby later on. But I just wanted to say that how important it is to take the time for our physical and mental well-being. And just sometimes... I know it can get really, really hard, Mm -hmm. but it's a choice that we can make. Even if it's just 30% that day, Mm -hmm. 30% because for me, consistency over 100% for me all the time. So it's better to do 70, 60%, even 20% that day to acknowledge yourself, to even just do this, something just with your body to acknowledge your state of mind. Yeah. Then... Just let another day go by and just feel like you're just uh, stuck, you yeah. know. I don't know who needs to hear it, but just felt like a lot saying, of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. from Anya. But now it's time to dance. All right. Thank you. And we will be posting this dance video on social media and YouTube. And we will put the link in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like subscribe and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found i love you and i will see you next wednesday the big silence